0: I'm Chris Turner, and this is the Empowered Parent Podcast. Hey, sorry, Chris.
1: Let me stop you there. I want to say something real quick. Hello, Empowered Parent Podcast listeners. This is Dallas. I've been helping out on the production side of the podcast for a while now, and when I used to live in the area, I would go over to Kayla and Ryan's house with Chris and set up the gear and record the podcast and try to keep them focused and on task, which could prove to be a little bit difficult. (laughs) With this crew, we'd oftentimes go into the uh, wee small hours of the morning, but sadly, I no longer live close and mainly um, help out remotely now, and I really do miss going over there and seeing them, Um, but I'm so glad just to play a small part in this. But this episode is the 100th episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. It has been so great hearing how this podcast has impacted so many families. I hear it from friends. uh, I see the stories online. I always tell people, if you have any sort of interaction with other human beings, then you should listen to this podcast. You know, Kayla, Chris, and Ryan do such an amazing job sharing their failures and their successes honestly, and helping people grow and learn how to connect with others in a meaningful way. And I've learned so much. I still have long, long ways to go, but um, I've had so much fun with them and looking forward to the future. So for this episode, I thought we could listen back to some of the great moments of this podcast in the last 99 episodes. So Chris, take it away. That's good. Yeah, let's not do that one. If you, uh,
0: (laughs) if this,
1: (coughs) and welcome to, uh, okay, 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 Chris, you know, you've done a lot of these. Why don't you just take a break? I'll take it from here. So let's start with some stuff that uh, maybe was left on the cutting room floor.
2: Uh, Greetings, everybody. This is Christopher Turner coming to you live from the Tapestry podcast. Say
3: champ, champ. Boop.
2: (laughs) Market for Dallas. Boop. My brother took French in high school, so they watched French dub Batman. <laughs> Je suis Batman.
3: Blah, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Boop.
0: Furiously making notes.
2: She's actually doing something related to the episode unlike us. Boop. So, um, so there's, so, um,
3: opening. So room. I
0: wanted to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't edit that I wanted if I to were you. Blablabla. Try that part again. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: questions about uh oh, i just forgot what i was gonna say there Boop. greetings listeners uh, that was bad
2: well, it was really exciting <laughs> <laughs> hi everybody it's chris <laughs> But he knows a lot about Sean Conde. Greetings <laughs> uh, Hi everybody. If it's not too much trouble would you guys listen it's to what another we have to edition say. of the
0: trip party <laughs> <laughs> podcast. Has <laughs> <Boop>. brought <laughs> to you <laughs> by toilet seats. <laughs> no. <laughs> Boop. Greetings. Ah, Greetings once again, dear listeners. Nah, it's stupid. <laughs> do something else. I agree.
2: <laughs> I'd like to dear affirm listeners. you in that.
0: Greetings, greetings oh, once again, dear yeah. listeners. This is not going well. This <laughs> well. I didn't... Mamas, don't let your baby screw up to me. I needed chocolate. Stop your chewing, stop your chewing, stop your chewing. Chew, 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 no. chew, chew. All right. Well.
3: <laughs> that is so loud. I Are you <laughs>
0: finished with your Triscuit over there?
3: I'm, the sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
0: We're always uh, pleased to receive communications from you. You can email them to us at info... Oh, it's not really stupid. Let me do that part over again.
2: <laughs> we're always pleased to receive, to, receive to receive communications from you. you. It
3: was, I was, I was like, like, that sounded like, really formal. Like were
1: like you a a about to beseech the listeners <laughs> to send stuff our way?
2: <laughs> Dallas to the boss once the mics are on. Hey, listen, once the headphones are on, Dallas to the boss.
1: Oh, that's funny right there, Ryan. You got me on that one because uh, that's not true. It would always crack me up. When we would say we're going to start the podcast, we start recording, and then the amount of time that would take place before we actually started recording the episode, um, such as right here, hey, Kelly, Chris telling us a story
0: in England and Scotland in '95. Uh, one of our nights in Edinburgh, we
1: uh, went to this dinner theater. I guess is the best way to put it, right? Okay, we'll check back in on this story later. Oftentimes, we would joke about me just leaving the house. I am your I'm it is so as Obi Wan said.
0: I find your lack of faith disturbing. Disturbing.
2: <laughs> I find your lack of faith.
0: For Dallas.
3: Dallas is like, I'm leaving. I'm Dallas is like, I
0: wish I could force took the three of them right now. That's what Dallas is like.
2: Okay, did, uh, one more thing though before we get started. We were so close to starting 35 minutes ago. And then the pets said to come in and
3: they wanted to be on the podcast tonight. again. Hey, again, yes. be
2: on the podcast. I really feel like we're running the low risk of him responding to the text one day saying he can't
1: do
3: it. <laughs> <laughs> Dallas <laughs> is going to back up his stuff and leave. I'm sorry, <sighs> Dallas, I can't control them.
1: And of course, like any good Texans... We have Matthew McConaughey impersonations. See, Ryan, the thing you got to remember about us Texans is that <laughs> we really like other Texans. Boop. I have your host, Matthew McConaughey. Boop. It's good over
0: I'll there. Get, I'm getting a little Bill Clinton there. Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> Let's
1: check back in on that story from Lots Chris. Lots of
0: traditional Scottish songs and dancing and that kind of
1: stuff. And you, you got to eat haggis and the whole thing. Uh-huh, yeah, all right, still going. But there's no question we have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: poop. don't poop.
1: Hey Dallas, you think you can write a beat
2: to go for our rap here? Poop. Don't poop. Poop. Don't poop your pants. Poop. Don't poop. Poop. poop.
0: poop. Poop. Don't poop. Don't poop. Don't poop, don't poop your pants. The executive audio engineer exercises
1: his power.
0: Flexes his muscles. I <laughs>
2: swear. You probably should end this.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Has this been rolling the whole time? I hate that.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sure was. Sorry about that, Ryan. Um, well, that was certainly fun. But now let's take some time and listen to some portions of previous episodes, starting with season six, episode one, titled "Play."
3: Tonight, well, and even you know, the last probably the last week or so, I have been at bedtime. I'll, I'll go snuggle with each of them in their bed of the younger kids and so I'll get there and I'll say okay I can sing you a song or I can tell you a story and so Josh always wants me to sing him a song and the girls always want me to tell a story and so I make up the most ridiculous stories and they are giggling and they are laughing and they'll, they'll sometimes like tonight they were like okay When you tell your story, it has to include, and they said certain (laughs) things that my story needed to include, right? And it's always about them, except for, you know, like for Libby, it's, you know, Bibby is the stories about Bibby, right? Um, So I always kind of change it, but they know who I'm talking about or whatever. Bibby Borth. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And so they love it. But I've found I've actually enjoyed bedtime a whole lot more because... I'm not going. Oh yes, I'll come up there and tuck you in for the four hundredth time. <laughs> Please just don't come downstairs. And really, they haven't been very bad about coming down the stairs since I've been doing this. They've been a whole lot more mm-hmm. willing to stay in their bed. I think. Yeah. So.
2: I mean, and I, yeah, because
3: just... we end on a on a on a playful, fun kind of note, mm-hmm. and so then they just—I think—they feel so much more connected. So when we're playing, they're they're feeling more connected. Well- so.
2: Well, I was just going to add about the bedtime thing and the playfulness at bedtime because sometimes people will say that they're really re- reluctant to be playful at bedtime because we need the kids to calm down and, right. not, and not be riled up. Right. But but what I say is that is if you can leave the day with the kids feeling like they're more connected to you and you had a good time together. Mm. So um example so so we as a family like Kayla and I like watching movies and occasionally like watching movies but with smaller kids um watching TV shows is actually a, a better better screen time, family screen time for us. Particularly cuz they love comp- competition shows. So we'll watch um like Masterchef Junior. The kids love seeing the kids cook cuz I think as I can see the potentially see themselves up there. Mm-hmm. Well, a new show that has come to the forefront in Casa Della Norte is America's Got Talent. We've never watched this before, but we're watching the current season. And oh my gosh, the kids absolutely love the show because Again, they think the like Libby, who is six, has already informed us that she wants to go to Los Angeles in February to audition.
3: We've made an audition video already.
2: Like, because I, I know she confuses Los Angeles and you know something down the street from us, but right, um, but she has no idea. How, you know how many hours it is an airplane to get to Los Angeles, and so she wants to do this. So at bedtime, so they so will go up to our room, and then um, they'll rotate, and then one of them will do their their audition for. Um, For America's Got Talent, then I'll be Simon. And then, um, you know, and so if Josh is the other judge, um, he is um, Howie. And then Brooklyn is Heidi Klum. And and, um, uh, Libby is uh, Mal B. And so then they'll do their audition and then they'll give feedback in character. And (laughs) they just, anyway, set a timer, like Alexa set a timer for like one minute. So they have a one minute audition. They think it's the greatest thing in the world. And you know, they just love it. They love giving each other, like you're through to the next round, and all that kind of fun <laughs> stuff. And then they go to their beds, and we don't hardly hear from them anymore. And I think yeah. that the, the, that adding a little bit of play to bedtime really yeah. has has been super super helpful uh, in.
3: I think just after a long day too. You know, I mean, I think there's you know when you've when you've had a long day, the last thing you want to do is play. Yeah. You just want your kids to go to bed so you can have a relaxing evening and do nothing you to to or bed. yeah, you you just want a little downtime. And so sometimes it's like the farthest thing from my mind. It's like, can we just all go to bed? But I found that it's a lot more peaceful bedtimes when mm. there is just a little bit, cause they're laughing and they're smiling and I'm laughing. Mm. So when I come downstairs, I'm not feeling annoyed that they called me back to tuck them in one more time right. or they wanted one more drink of water or they were still hungry cause they didn't eat their dinner or whatever, you know? I'm not getting as much of that and I'm getting more just content, you know, more connectedness, which is what I want. Right. And then that's the goal is to be more connected and play is plays where it's at. And so we have a play therapy kit, so we just pull it out sometimes. And so we've had kids where they were not, Currently seeing a play therapist, and other kids were seeing a therapist, and they were like, "Well, I want to, I want to go see Miss Catherine." And I was like, "I can't have four kids seeing."
2: But you don't need to see her.
3: I know I can't have four kids. You got
2: options. We can eat all four. You can go.
3: Right. I mean, it gets a little pricey, and so what we are compromised that we came to was when you're not seeing therapist, then we'll do play sessions at home. There you go. And they really have loved that, you know, just having this really intentional time. We have a, you know, every other Wednesday, you know, we're going to go and we're going to play and, and they've really enjoyed that kind of intentional play, but it's not just we're having a tea party or it's not just we're having, it's very specific mom and kid playing or dad gets home and dad says, I'm going to play, you know, cards me and this kid we're going to play you know whatever game yeah. so it's it's intentional it's like market on the calendar kind of play not just your everyday just play It just happens which yeah, is the not, number yeah. well before
2: we jump to everyday play though i just wanted to say that that the folio play therapy is hard for some parents like we get mixed reviews on it some people love it and some people don't and a lot of times i find when the people don't love it is because um because it brings to the surface their own need to control everything. Mm. Yeah. And so... Um,
3: it does mine.
2: Yeah, and that's hard because because not only is it hard because it feels uncomfortable to you, but the flip side of that is also uh, you're not familiar with it, and now you have to confront your own issues, and it's just... You know, just fair warning if you're going to do it. We love it. We think it's great. The kids benefited a lot from it. we It unlocked a lot of things. It opened our eyes to a lot of things um, with, the, with the kiddos. But but it is, you have to really kind of, you know, check yourself a little bit to
1: make sure that you're okay. Here's an excerpt from a recent interview uh, we did with Jelana Goble. She is the author of No Sugar Coating, The Coffee Talk You Need About Foster Parenting. Let's take a listen.
4: You know, and I think obviously like the joy and all of that stuff too, but I think especially on the front end, Kayla, I so resonate with what you're talking about because Mm -hmm. I think in the world of social media and like perfectly backlit, Mm -hmm. which I don't have right now, (laughs) um, (laughs) um, photos, it can make like adoption and foster care look really like tidy and kind of cutesy. And I, I just feel like, yes, we want to communicate that there is so much joy in this journey as well, but it's also really hard. And so I feel like people will, um, they'll hopefully, if they, if they choose, if they discern that this is for them and they get into it, will understand the joy of it. But I think so oftentimes there, there's this myth of what we think something's going to be like, and then there's the reality and families fall into this chasm in between. And that's where I feel like, um, you know, you being really honest and, and just up front with people almost creates a bridge so that they don't fall in, but say, Oh, you know what? This is to be expected because when I open swing open my door to, to welcome in a child, it's welcoming in all the reasons that they were taken into foster care as well. And we can't make those rosy issues and and kind of gloss Mm -hmm. over that. Um,
2: Yeah. You know, Jelana along the, along the, the, the bridge over the, over the Canyon metaphor Mm -hmm. there, I think part of that bridge is built uh, in a combination of two things. And one of those things is the reality that we're talking about. But the other th- part, the component of that is the hope, right? Mm-hmm. Because we know that that people can heal. Um, we also, yes. you know, we, we were teaching a class last night and part of the discussion with, the, with those people is right when you see challenging behaviors. Sometimes we just think of parenting as a zero sum game. That when 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 the children don't lie about anything ever anymore ever, then that means that we're at the play. and that's just simply not true, right? It, it's a continuum. Mm-hmm. It's a journey. Because I, I, I don't know about you, but I imagine that each one of the four of us lied at least once today. You know, you know what I mean. And, and so and so, there's there's never any. Uh, as Chris theatrically rubs his chin. Trying to Uh, remember. (laughs) It's like, did I speak to anybody today? Uh, You you know, and and so I think that we have to have the reality, but we also have to to point out that that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and and that tunnel may be a really, really long tunnel, but that's back to the reality again. But, but, you know, um, you remember in the Old Testament every single time God did something on behalf of the Israelites. He told them to stack 12 rocks there so when they came by that place that they would remember and they could discuss what God had done there. And, and I think that we're so, um, so binary in our thinking, right? I mean, it's an election here. And so now you're either red or blue, which means that you're either good or bad, which means that you're either right or wrong. And that's determined by whether you agree with me or not. Uh, mm-hmm. and we don't and, and we tend to think of things uh, in either or mm-hmm. uh, you know dichotomies and and, and the reality is it, it's a continuum right it, it's a, it's it's this journey that you're on and you have to celebrate the victories along the way because you will lose heart if you can't yeah. look back and go oh there was that day when mm-hmm. i wasn't called any ugly words <laughs> and there right. was no fighting in the house
4: well, and that's just it, Ryan. And I feel like so much, um, so much that has like really like brought me to my knees and humbled me as a parent is celebrating mm. those things that I before mistook as low level expectations yeah. right. that I now see as things worthy of celebration. And there is, there is, um, there can be grief with that. And there is also like this sense of delight at like discovery that like, wow, I never thought I would be like high-fiving my seven-year-old for not swearing on the bus, but here I'm, (laughs) here I am like celebrating things that before, you know, I would have been mortified if my, you know, some of my other kids had, had done that. Um, and yet that's, that's where we are. You know, we, we celebrate things. You kept your seatbelt on all the way to Target. Good job,
2: Man. buddy. <laughs> Great job. Yeah. You yeah. to your so. Yourself in Target.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That might.
3: That, that might be too. That's high the harder the one, right? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> the harder <laughs> bar. <laughs> and, uh, hey, I mean, yeah. it,
2: it's true. You know, when 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 the children get get angry, and you go to four year old who's using uh, tier one, and that's top of the of the list, uh, mm-hmm. cuss words, and then mm-hmm. you know a year later he's using tiers two and three instead of tier <laughs> one. You're like. Man, right. he didn't use the F word
1: once when he was angry
2: today. That's like
4: awesome. Oh, that yeah. Is progress. Yeah.
1: Here's a portion of the episode Trauma in the Brain from Season 4, Episode 10. This, this and tracked it and imaged it that even when you're really accessing that
2: primal brain, reality is different for you. Right. Even t- time is now a per- perceived thing. It's not a real thing. And so I think that it's important for us to remember that that it's not maybe when our kids are dysregulated and they're operating from their primal brain, it, we may go, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that kid raged for two hours. And that kid may have felt like they were dysregulated for five minutes. They may have felt like they were dysregulated for six hours. Mm. Like, we, we, like w- the reality is not like aligned in this moment. And it was really eye-opening for me because I got to thinking about how when our kids are behaving negatively, that I am processing what's going on at regular clock speed mm-hmm. and their reality is completely altered. And I think that if I can remember that, that may help me to be better with him in the moment. Mm. Like, like we had an incident this afternoon at the house and thinking about the extreme duress that my daughter was under during that helped me stay calm with her because I realized that her and I were not processing the moment in anything in any way that was similar at all. Right. And I even said to her afterwards, Aren't you happy that you live in a house where mom and dad let you process your emotions? Because <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't raised in that house. Yeah. I don't think anybody listening to this this episode was raised in that house either. Yeah, it's interesting that
0: you say that because one of our kiddos, he pretty much goes from you know, when he's when he's stressed or whatever, he he will go from zero to thermonuclear war really quickly. like yeah. There's no escalation. There's no you know DEFCON 5 to DEFCON 4 and so forth and so on. And if you don't know these terms I'm talking about, go watch the movie War Games um, <laughs> from the 80s. All the, all the Cold War kids out there will know what I'm talking about. In a confusing turn of events, the lower the DEFCON number is, the the worst things, the things worst are. The worst things are, yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, DEFCON 1 was Global Thermal Nuclear War. And he gets there so quickly that sometimes we're just like, where, Whoa, did that like, where did that come from? Right. And I think yeah. that's it, it. I never thought about it until you just said it, that his perception of time is being altered outside of my perception of time.
3: Right. Cause he was probably in a state of fear mm-hmm. long before you even realized he was in a state of right. fear. Right. And I think that's the thing with our kids is our kids oftentimes live in their amygdala mm. for big chunks of the day. Right. I mean, when we think of ours of ourselves, we think of there are times when I'm in my and when I'm acting out of my amygdala and when I am you know reacting out of fear, but that's not the norm for us mm-hmm. as adults um that are healthy and have you know kind of processed through things. but I think for our kids who are still processing and still making sense of their past. They live in their amygdala so much that, I mean, just that one little concept, I mean, I could just think about that for days trying to process what does that really mean for my kids mm. and how does that really affect them? Because if they're in that state of fear and they're living in that, first of all, they said it, that their their perception of the length of time seems different. They also said that when they live in a state of fear, that the memories are encoded more vividly.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I thought that was really interesting because they're they're I think they said they were encoded more vividly, but they were also, um, not necessarily reality,
4: mm. which I
3: think a lot of us have seen with our kids yep. is that it's kind of like those eyewitness accounts, right? And you get a different perspective from every person who saw the exact same thing happen. Mm-hmm. Because they're all acting out of their amygdala because they were all scared in that moment. Mm. And so this one person hears something completely different than this other person. And it's not that one person was lying. It's just the way their brain processed that moment based on their own history, their own where they were and how that affected them. Mm -hmm. So it's so interesting because, you know, we talk a lot about kids that are lying. We talk Mm. a lot about kids that are um, making up these just crazy stories when in reality, a lot of that has to do with the way they're processing things that are going on around them.
1: Here are some excerpts from very early in the podcast, um, all the way back in season two, episode one, the importance of connection.
0: Uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about was the importance of connection, um, with our adoptive and foster kids. So Ryan, why is connection so important?
2: Uh, Jane Schooler said something that we heard last year. Uh, Jane Schooler, of course, the author of Wounded Children Healing Homes, um, she said that your level of attachment determines your ability to tolerate someone's behavior. And so um, when when I heard her say that, uh, I thought to myself, I think that's something that I've always intuitively understood, but probably, um, I probably wasn't able to to, to capture it that succinctly um, your level of attachment determines your ability to tolerate someone's behavior. And so you think about, um, you know, your relationship with your spouse or your relationship with your children, your siblings, your parents, whatever. When those, when those are, are going well, it's usually when you feel most connected to them. Um, but when conflict arises is generally at times when that connection suffering, right? So we're, we're just kind of coming through a really, really busy season in our family. And, um, my wife and I haven't been spending as much the kind of quality time together as we would like to or have traditionally done. And so I noticed this week that we were kind of real chippy with each other. Uh, and, it, and it, I mean, connection suffers instantly. It's not like this long process. It's just been, it's been about two weeks since Kayla and I just did something together, just the two of us. And, and so that was just really, really true for me yesterday. In our, in our home,
0: it's really quite surprising how quickly it can go downhill, yes. even with the people that you were closest to in your life.
2: Um, our kids into our family, when they come home, we, we certainly from that day have to be the initiators of building the quality of that relationship. Because if our kids are going to learn to trust and uh, feel secure and, and all of the things that we want for them, um, those things don't happen if there isn't any real connection to, to the other members of the family. You know, kids just kind of, you know, being loud, which, you know, you put six kids in a room and they're going to be loud. That's just one of the realities. But um, the way to correct that issue is to yell, right? That's what, what I saw growing up. And so I find... It's the
0: fastest way to get everyone's
2: attention. It is the You're fastest way. And so what I find when I'm kind of under pressure a little bit as a parent, my, my volume increases. Um, I'm not sure it's hyper effective and it is also ironic that my choice for getting things to be quiet is to add to the noise which as my kids are getting older they're starting to figure that out i'm like um you know so you know we have to focus on connecting and empowering our kids and you know if we don't if we're not connected to our children then correction isn't going to be as effective if we don't empower our children then correction is going to be more necessary right so that's why in the sequence of things a correction comes third because the connecting is so important because if i don't have a real relationship uh, think think about me and you right we met each other some years ago as we've gotten to know each other um i think we speak more freely with each other that's like any relationship because number one i would feel the freedom to speak more freely with you and number two you would receive the receive my candor or whatever it is uh more because there is a relationship that the opposite is true right when you meet somebody and they say something to you you're like who the heck are they? And why do they think they can speak to me like that? Right. But two years into the relationship, we we'll just kind of laugh about it, mm-hmm. right? So that's why that, that connection is so important because it builds real relationship. And uh, out of that real relationship, I think our kids trust our correcting more. Like um, if there's no real relationship, correction can be perceived as, um, you just want me to do things your way, can be perceived as a lot of ne- negative things. But if that correction is born out of real connection, um there's a real chance that our kids are going to trust that okay I may not like this but I have this long history of dad wanting what's best for me and so I, I you know even if in that moment they don't process it like that I think we can get back connection
1: and finally let's listen to some of the episode Better Together from season 6 episode 3
3: You know, we're doing so many things and we're trying to be a detective of our kids' Mm. needs, right? We're trying to figure out what our kids' needs. And I think we often neglect what our spouse needs Mm. because we just are so kid-centric. And if we're kid-centric, then our... I mean... The kids pick up on tensions between mom and dad, right? The kids pick up when... And some of them will exploit those
0: tensions They too. will,
3: and they will. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they start to triangulate because they're like, oh, well, mom's mad at dad, so I'm going to get dad to do this, or I'm going to get mom to do this. And, and it's no good for anybody yeah. when mom and dad aren't on the same page and when they're not in relationship with one another, right? I right. mean, so when parents are at odds with one another... It doesn't help the kids feel safe it doesn't help them connect because they're constantly wondering what's going on right i mean whenever we've had an argument and the kids have they'll, they'll come over and they'll be like are you okay and you can tell like they're just wondering like is everything going to be okay because mm-hmm. we live in this world where yeah. divorce is so prevalent that the kids begin to wonder like is this is this it? Is this where we're, we're you know, we're mom headed. and dad are going right. to split up, right? Um, you know, I mean, we have, between us, we have um, three siblings, Ryan and I do, and we're the only ones of our siblings that haven't been divorced. Mm. And so our kids have seen it firsthand with all of our siblings yeah. and have seen the struggles, you know? And so I think for our kids, especially because our kids have that, um, you know, they've already got that compromised belief system, right? And so when we start to have marital issues, it begins to just weigh really heavy on our kids. And they Mm. begin to think, did they do something wrong? Is something happening here? Right? And so it's just, it's such an important topic. I mean, it's probably the the biggest thing people ask us is, okay, so we figured out this parenting thing sort of, but my husband's not on board or my wife's not on board or we can't get on the same page or we just don't have time for each other. We, But when our kids see us argue, they also see us repair, right? They also see us come back and connect in relationship mm. so that they know everything's okay. Mom and dad can disagree. Mom and, mom and dad can be upset. We can even, you know, kind of be snippy with each other sometimes and come back and repair things and we're going to still be okay. Right. And so I think that piece has been important for our kids to see in order to help them continue to feel safe.
2: Yeah. So, um, if, if I may just say something, I completely obviously agree with that. Um, because you know, we, we had talked, I remember when, when, when Kayla had this realization where she said, you know, my parents never argued in front of us. Yeah. And so that was always done behind closed doors. And so um, when when the two of us would get into conflict, I mean, how long in time marriage was before we had this? About fifteen years.
3: It was a while, yeah.
2: And and she was actually teaching class one night. She said, she had this aha moment where like I know why I struggle in conflict because I've never had an example of how to resolve conflict mm-hmm. between spouses."
0: Because it sounds good, right? Don't argue in front of the kids, yeah. right? But. Then they don't see you resolve anything right, and so you're actually handicapping them in that emotional sense because yeah, they know you argued, yeah, yeah.
2: they can tell would
3: it's not like you walk out of the bedroom and, and
2: like where everybody's smiling right.
3: yeah I mean we could i could always I knew when they were upset with one another, mm. but because I could feel that tension mm-hmm. right, but I just never saw the actual conflict and how it was resolved, so then when Ryan and I would argue, I would like. All of a sudden, I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, this is it. We're done. We're getting a divorce. We can't do this anymore." <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, this is ridiculous. We can Surely, there's a way to argue. Like, surely people argue and come out on the other side, okay? Right? I mean, I, I just didn't know how to do it, and so we have yeah. had to learn." Yeah.
2: And, and, and I will say this: um, that, that for anybody listening who really feels like they're, they're in a really bad place in their in the marriage and they've um, and they've and they've considered um walking out um i will say that um when you're at that place even when you're at that place that can all be um be redeemed and turned around um really was an impact on me is um was was after reading reading a book called the circle maker and and speaking to some friends about about some issues uh, and getting some wise counsel um that that sort of my my prayer for our marriage has changed because there's so many things that that it was like, oh my gosh, if she would just change this one thing about herself, and it's it's huh. it's, it's it's the one thing is infinity, right? This is totally
3: hypothetical, right? No, <laughs> no, I'm being completely transparent <laughs> here.
2: Um, it's like if she would just change, if she would just do that differently, you know, th- this problem would go away. But what I realized um, is that's is that's not the right way to 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 think about your marriage. It's not the right way to pray about your marriage. It's it's Lord, let me know what needs to change inside of me and let my spouse know what needs to change inside of them um, and so I accept that, that I know that you have to deal with me, I know you have to deal with her and that's and that's good and just show me how we can support it, us how we can support each other and all of that. but the only thing I need to be interested in is, is asking the Lord to work on me mm. because um, trying to change another person is a fool's
1: errand. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for listening. We have such a great family here on the Empowered Parent Podcast, and thank you so much for being a part of it. We also want to encourage you to consider becoming a Patreon subscriber. So for that, I'll throw it over to the pros, Chris, Ryan, and Kayla. I'll let them take us out and uh, tell us more about that as well. We were part of a tour group, so like they let everyone else go out, while our tour group kind
0: of hung out behind so we could all stay together.
1: You know. Oh, Chris, still telling that story. Hey, um... Let's go ahead and wrap it up and uh, let's take us out. If you have a question
0: for us that you'd like us to tackle here on the podcast, you can email it to us at info at one big happy home.com. If you can be concise and squeeze it into 280 characters, feel free to tweet it to us at one big happy home. We also have a Facebook group just for our podcast listeners. You can search for the empowered parent podcast community. Though I do believe we have a new stipulation on admittance. Do we not, kale?
3: Yes, you have to be a Patreon subscriber. Uh, so if you go to patreon.com slash Parent, then you can be a subscriber at the $5 level um, or above, and you can get into that podcast group. Um, and then we answer questions, and all of us are in that group answering questions. Plus, we have a, a ton of people in the group that are all... Um, just a wealth of knowledge and stuff so it's it's a fun group to be part of
0: yes ma'am and in addition to subscribing to the podcast on patreon you can subscribe to it in itunes the google play store or on spotify just search for the empowered parent podcast if you've enjoyed and gotten value from our show we would appreciate a review in any of these locations The Empowered Parent Podcast is committed to helping parents of foster and adopted kids through connecting, correcting, and empowering principles. Thanks for listening.